Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hey now! We're back, we're back, we're back. Season 8 of the After 9 Podcast. Season 8! Holy crap! There were no upfronts or anything like that, like in television. (laughs) We just jumped right into it, eh? Like, here we are, it's season 8. You didn't have to watch an entire summer's worth of commercials to promote season eight. It just happened, and here it is. And lo and behold, it's free on top of that, too. So, uh, hey, Kat, we're back, Hi. and we've used up just a piss pile of vacation time, and we are not going anywhere until like roughly Christmas. So, maybe be- earlier. It all depends. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Our contract <laughs> is just, almost up, I just actually. Wanna, I just want to screw with people and be like, yeah, we're off until next week. No, we're not. We're here. We're here, guys. We're here. Oh, that's good drama. We could start that up. I, I just thought it'd be funny because there's. I got so many DMs. I don't know about you, but thank you so much. All the people who were like, it's messing with my routine. I'm, we're so thankful and so grateful that we are a part of your regular routine and we are happy to be. Uh, every now and again, you need a break, though. And in radio, you take summers off. That's what you do because we need to be here for ratings. The ratings are important in the fall and various other times throughout the year. It's always very important, right? But uh, that's the reason why. You know, much like you, we like to soak up the good weather while we have it here. So that's why. By the way, when when September started, it was like a violent thrust into September. It was just awful. How It was dreary and miserable all weekend long. And I thought, well... This is how it begins. Yeah. This the, is it. The Friday was good. And then, yeah, you're right. Saturday, Sunday, pretty darn gloomy. It, this week is here, at least. It's going to be uh, pretty nice, though. Pretty hot. I mean, you know what? We'll take what we can get. I think at this point, we're at the stage where we'll take what we can get, but we understand that it's going to get colder at night. It's going to get darker earlier. All those things that come with it. Some people love that, though. Some people cannot wait for fall to hit. And yes, it is still summer. But once fall hits, I know that's in some people's element. So, hey, good on you. We're at different stages in our lives. I have kids that are in university, and mm-hmm. they started school last week. And, and I'm at a point right now where I'm actually a little tired of the whole back-to-school routine for them. I want them to hurry up and get done school and then start earning their own income so they stop coming to oh, me. Oh, I believe you. I believe you. Yeah. But you're just at the beginning of the journey. You've got two little ones, both in elementary. They're both in no, elementary. No, just no. one. Just one. Yeah. I want to pay outrageous daycare fees for it. What is going on with the goddamn daycare, <laughs> by the way? I had to do a little dig at the fact it's still taking forever for that little bit of relief. And we're not even getting full relief right away. But you you know what I mean? And every bit counts. And that's great. Uh, but yeah, no, we still have not heard a word. They're saying and speculating that is fall. So I'm assuming next month we might hear by the end of this month, even that next month is going to be the month where finally those parents are going to get handed a check or auto deposit, whatever floats your boat of however much money it is for, what is it? 25% to start off They're They're easing their way into it. Can I tell you what I think is going on here? Really? 
because they, they announced that $10 a day child care and they had all that fanfare for it. And a lot of people accused Doug Ford of exploiting it. You'll recall that when he was running for reelection back in the spring, that child care deal didn't get done until right before the campaign started. And they think, ah, oh, Doug delayed it on purpose so he could drop all the good news right before the campaign. What if, though, what if it's not Doug? That's exploiting it. What if it's the prime minister himself? And the reason I ask that is because there's a lot of reasons to think we're going to be having an election in the next 60, 60 to 90 days. Like, I don't understand why they would do that to us. Here's here's why. Because Justin is so wildly unpopular. His personal approval is down in like the 30s or something like that. I mean, the vast majority of the country is sick of the guy. They want to change. Some people feel even more passionately than sick of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and others I've heard are, of these people, yes. Yes. Others are just, ah, that's enough. Ah, you got to right. have a change. So there's a lot of people that are speculating. Justin knows the best time to have an election is when you're opponent is unprepared. And this coming weekend, the conservatives are going to elect a new leader. And they don't want to give that new leader, and all indicators are that it's going to be Pierre Polyev, they don't want to give him any time to get any traction with the voters. So the theory is that Justin will take a poison pill of sorts, Mm -hmm. and he will basically dissolve his own coalition with the NDP and force an election and go to the polls before Canadians get a chance to meet Pierre Polyev and get to know him and see his beautiful family and and hear his proposals about how he'd like to take the country in a different direction. For the last three weeks, Trudeau has done, done nothing but campaign. Ever since he got back from Costa Rica, he's firing up those Challenger jets and he's crisscrossing the country and he's going to barbecues and photo ops and this, that and the other thing. And a lot of people think that's intentional, that we're all ready in a campaign and he's probably going to bring the house back soon and bring it down so that he can have a campaign. Mm -hmm. When would that campaign happen? Right as parents are getting their checks, their rebate checks from daycare. And then he'll be able to say, Hey, look at that. You just got a rebate for like $2,000 from the government of Canada. Vote for me. I'm the best thing ever. It's one of the best ways to bribe voters is to hand them money. Sure. I mean, and I've seen, we've seen this before, similar before, um, but I just think there's also so much annoyance with it. Like it's taking forever and centers have even said, I'm confused with how it works. You never know, though. That's also also very provincial because Ontario, we're a little behind, yes, <laughs> a little are. behind on that. So speaking of a little behind, something new for back to school, the school buses in Ontario have mm-hmm. changed now. So you'll all probably be able to picture a school bus. And we all know that if the red stop signs out and the lights are flashing, you don't pass the school bus. Right. But sometimes the school bus stops and doesn't let any kids off. Vehicles stop all the time for different things, whether it be stop signs, red lights, uh, people crossing the street. It could be a train coming. They, they stop all the time and they don't always let kids out. So the theory is, is that if you put these other lights on the bus and they're amber colored, you're going to get the amber indicator that they're stopping to let people off or let people mm. on. If it's just... Uh, a regular, you see the brake lights in front of you, they're just stopping for a train or because it's a stop sign or a red light and you're allowed to pass. But if you see the yellow lights flashing, that's the driver indicating to other motorists they're going to be stopping to slow pick up or drop down. off. So slow down, right. Just that It would mean the same thing as a yellow light on a, a traffic light. Slow down, be prepared to stop. And I thought, well, this is great. This is good. All right, this will make things safer. 
And then I learned that they've been doing this in other provinces, like literally for 20 years. That's crazy that we're that behind. How are we that behind? Was it a matter of cost to put the amber lights in? I don't know how it works. I'm not going to pretend to know, but is that why? Why? It's a matter of cost. It's a matter of practicality. It's a matter of logistics. We also have a lot more school buses on the road in Ontario than New Brunswick or Nova Scotia or or places like that that have had this for a while. So uh, it it probably was a slow implementation. I would have thought that if they were going to revamp the school buses anyway, they probably should have put seats belts on them but uh, here we are oh that argument could continue all day because there's pros and cons apparently pros and cons yeah i can't think of a con to wearing a seat well belt. a it's so what i've heard is also it has to do with young children for example who board the bus and how much time that's going to take who's going to be in charge of buckling in all those kids and, d- and double checking and triple checking that they're ki- kept it buckled in the entire ride should we make them like masks and make like, the seat belts optional is Depending that, on your own level of safety. Yeah, I don't know. But then you'd have a bunch of older kids. No, you'd have like middle, middle age, middle school kids maybe wearing them. And then otherwise the older kids are going to be like, F that. Younger kids aren't going to know how to do it. It'll be a little bit too difficult for them. So I think it's just too much of a gong show when you think about it. And then again, I'll ask the question, then who becomes in charge? You know, if a kid unbuckles himself and there's an accident, God forbid, is the bus driver in trouble? Bus driver shouldn't have to be worried about that. What? On top of all the other safety shit they have to do in a day. So I understand. We, uh, and how many bus crashes are there, really? I mean, I don't mean to say that, and I should knock on something, but you know what I mean? It's This isn't like, holy fuck, guys, so many buses have crashed. We should probably get seatbelts in there. It doesn't happen often, does it? I think that there has to be a solution to this problem, and I understand that that is a problem. Who's going to do it? Who's responsible? Yada, yada, yada. I just think that there's probably uh, a solution in there somewhere that we just haven't thought of. Remember the old cars, and they did them like this for like maybe five or ten years back in the 90s, where as soon as you sat down, the seatbelt went on automatically? It was on like a, a roller oh, yeah. or a track? <laughs> I forgot about this. What happened to those? I don't know. I don't know. I had a Cutlass Supreme for a few years, and it had an automatic seatbelt. As soon as I got in, the belt went on. Uh, maybe uh-huh. there's a solution there. I, I don't know. But either way, I I tend to think that the safety comes from a seatbelt in that sense. But I do understand there's logistical and concerns. If, there there are. And I've heard a bunch of them. And another one is if something does happen and the bus does crash, you want people to be able to get out as, as quickly as possible. And you can't do that when you have people buckled in. And then you make, again, really young children. That's really the only issue, I think, because uh, the older ones are going to be able to figure it out. Then you make them try to fend for themselves and unbuckle and figure that out. I don't know. That's one of the many things that I've heard is the issue there and the reason why. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, that's uh, that. That's beyond our pay scale. Somebody again, else can do I, that. Yeah, yeah. Again, I couldn't tell you for sure. This is just what I've heard, and I do know people who were were in the were in the system. By the way, there's there's a shortage again in some boards. You know School bus still, drivers. Yeah. Do, is it does it pay really shitty, or well, do they just have a great union that allows people to get out of work very easily? I, I don't understand what the problem well, is, or why we can't seem to get people to drive school buses. Well, you have to you have to understand too. It's a really specific um, uh, schedule that you have to keep, right? I mean, these are people who would be willing to work. Some only work one shift, I think, and others. But yeah, it's it's a part time for a lot of people where they'll pick it up. There's a that's why there's a lot of people who end up who are partially retired doing it, that's great because it gives them some flexibility, right? Hey, I only have to work from 7 a.m. To, to this time in the morning, and then I work again from whatever, 2 p.m. until 4.30 p.m., and that works for me. Those kind of split shifting, that doesn't work for everybody. So it probably is hard to find people who are willing and able to do it. Bus drivers also put up with a lot of shit. You know, depending on where you are, they can put up with a lot of shit. So, yeah, it's hard to find people for the, for those reasons, I assume. 
they're not unless there are full time. Are there full time bus drivers? Maybe there are. I don't know how it works. I don't know if you get paid by, you know, by the shift, the shift being mornings, afternoons. There's bus drivers that listen to this podcast that. So I don't even know. We won't even ask any more questions. You can tell us you can DM us and tell us how it works. We've got a transit system in every city in Ontario that are all very well staffed. I have to think that maybe there's other people out there who are interested in driving a bus. We just haven't made driving a school bus particularly appealing. Maybe. But one thing I do know about people is people love money. Mm -hmm. And for the right amount of money, you can get them to do just about anything. Well, it amazes me, too, that the pay scale is different in different places. Why? It's the same bus. I had this conversation with a bus driver I know uh, that said that they were leaving for a different board because they pay better. And I thought, that's interesting. You know, when it comes to the safety of of children, and that's really a big part of their job is getting kids to school and home safely, right? That's that's a big job. Why would you try to pay someone less money over here and more money over there when they're doing the, the same amount of responsibility? You know, I don't I don't get that personally. Again, I'm not in it, so I couldn't tell you specifics, but I know that that's the case. They pay better in some places than others, and that doesn't seem right to me. Coming up in just a sec, a couple of our favorites from the last two years, Dr. Kieran Moore and Premier Doug Ford drop in on After 9 with some comments that they made when we were away. We will get to that. But first off, uh, this morning, there's a great article in the Toronto Sun about how beer sales are way down across Canada year over year. Mm. And it could be for a couple of different things. Some people are speculating, well, during the pandemic, people drank a lot more. I believe that. I think particularly yeah. during lockdown, yeah. people drank a lot. Yes. When we were shutting down all the restaurants and stuff for no good reason, that uh, probably led people to consume a little more alcohol at home, maybe. That mm-hmm. could be it. Yeah, sure. L- let me throw it another guess here, because I was actually floored at this. I was at a pub, my local, just the other day. They were charging eight twenty-five for a pint of Canadian or Coors Light. Oh wow! Is it at all possible that over the last four, five, six years, we've just let the price of beer get completely out of fucking control, and that's why people aren't drinking as much beer? Is that at all possible? Because I, I'm old enough to remember. If you wanted a, a pint of, of Heineken or a pint of Stella, well, that was going to cost you about five, six bucks. But if you wanted a Canadian or a Coors Light or a Bud Light, one of those simple brands, the North American brands, $350, $450, $475, these were not expensive beers. Somehow the price has doubled. And even at that, I could see it. Big breweries, Okay, they're raising their prices, but that's okay because we've got a thriving craft beer business here in Ontario. I don't need to drink a a Coors Light. I don't need to drink a Labatt Blue. I'm going to have myself a, a Forefathers or something like that. They're charging those prices for the craft beers as well, mm. the small independent breweries. And frankly, I don't understand how it went and doubled in price in recent memory. How did that happen? I used to like going to a bar and having a beer, maybe a pint of wings. Now I just stay home. The prices are too fucking crazy. Nobody should be surprised that beer sales are down when the cost is that high. I do actually avoid, it's funny, I do actually avoid um, having drinks out. I was actually at a restaurant over the weekend and uh, similarly, I looked at the menu and I'm going, oh, that's, that's kind of expensive. But the only reason why we ended up doing it is we found out, oh, we're here at happy hour. And they actually had happy hour. So it was cheaper. So 
but it's right on par with what it used to be. I feel like a couple of years ago, that was now that is now cheaper, right? Those those prices. Either way, I mean, yeah, I think we all know it's it's much cheaper to stay home and and consume alcohol, and that way you don't need to worry too about getting home from wherever you're at. I don't think the difference has ever been this stark, though. I mean, you can go sure. into Longos in the beer section and get a six pack of Labatt Blue for fourteen dollars. That same. Beer, though, which you're paying, I don't know, you get a six pack, uh, two bucks a beer. You're paying four times that amount when you go out. And I don't know if if restaurant and bar operators are aware of this, that regular people have really cut back on their consumption, but they're going to become acutely aware of it soon because people just can't fucking afford it anymore. Yeah, I know that there's costs for them, too. We all know that there's costs for them associated with it. And those probably inflated much like everything else did. I do wonder, though, about, yes, so cost, that's that's for sure. That was the number one thing I thought. But I also know a lot of people who've made lifestyle changes over the last little while. Maybe it is a post-pandemic thing. Maybe it's just a people in my circles that I know. Maybe it's just everyone's going to have their own perspective. But I know a lot of people that were heavy beer drinkers that are now moving on to something else or trying something different or doing hard alcohol uh, because it's less ca- calories, for example. Uh, that's true. Uh, or easier on your tummy or whatever the fuck it is. Or seltzers or all these other things that they find are lighter and um, re- still refreshing because summer did just, you know, I shouldn't say did. I know. Bad me. Bad. Summer is here. So people are probably changing up their lifestyle. Maybe it has to do with that, too. It's hard to, to really pinpoint exactly why. But, oh, cost has to be a huge factor, I think. You said back during the pandemic, implying that the pandemic is over. I know. I did And that. I'm glad that you did that because it's over. I know. I think so in my mind anyway. Dr. Kieran Moore came out and did a news conference last week. It's weird timing. End of summer. And I get that he was probably going for the catch the parents and the back to school crowd. Right. But I also kind of get the impression they, they wanted to bury it right in that last week of August mm-hmm. when not as many people are paying attention to the news. So things have changed, everybody especially the the rules around isolation. Here's a bit of Dr. Kieran Moore from last week. People who are waiting for that bivalent vaccine who chose not to stay up to date with their vaccines, as you mentioned, so you are encouraging people to do that. Should people who are not those higher risk people move now then on the, on the vaccine that's already available? Uh, it's the wrong clip, but I still will play that because I am curious about this new bivalent? Bi- bi- is that the one Bibbalant? that's the new fall? I don't know. Is that the fall shot? It's like, the, that's what I know it as. It's the shooter special <laughs> the fall for fall 2022. Okay. Uh, yeah, you no longer, if you test positive for COVID, you no longer have to isolate for five days. You can return to work or school when the fever is gone and your symptoms have been improving for at least 24 hours. Okay, that's a, that's a big difference when you consider what we talked about last year. This time last year. Because COVID hasn't changed. If anything, COVID got more mild in the last year. Because Omicron is not nearly as serious as Delta was. I think we all remember that, even though they're trying to rewrite the script now and convince you that Omicron is a clear and present danger. It's not, and it never was, in my estimation anyway. But in this case, I'm just shocked that we're at a point now where as long as you're positive for COVID, you can see it on a test. But as long as your fever's gone and you're starting to feel better, right back to work, right back to school. And I'm thinking, if COVID hasn't changed, what did? Because we closed businesses down over this. We kicked people out of their, their jobs for this. There were people who, who lost their entire livelihood over this. And it went from a 10-day mandatory isolation and the fucking cops knocking on your door to make sure you're actually isolating to if you don't have a fever... And you're starting to feel better? Go back? Mm-hmm. 
mistakes were made. I mean, I think we all know mistakes were made. And whether, I mean, some would argue, wow, they didn't know the full scope of it. Okay, sure. It was a learning curve for a lot of people, including and especially those medical professionals trying to figure it out. There's people that still believe we should be doing all of that, which that's what boggles my mind, Scott, is the people that still think we should have all those mandates in effect now. What? Like, where where are you? Like, go, you do it. You know what I mean? Well, you shut you shut yourself down for a while. How about that? <laughs> Don't shut down other people's well, businesses. And Give you know, me a break. you know, what's great is we're finally doing what you and I suggested about a year and a half ago is let people make their own choices. And the choice right now is you can wear a mask mm-hmm. if you feel like you need that extra protection or you can not wear a mask if you don't feel you need the extra protection. You can get a shot if you want one. You don't have to mm-hmm. if you don't want to. Now, that's probably going to change because the prime minister is really ramping up the rhetoric right now about staying up to date on vaccines and the new one's the big one. You got to get the new Omicron shot, blah, blah, blah. He's already on that, which makes me think he's at least going to try and fight another election this fall Mm -hmm. on mandates. We'll see how far he gets with that. I would advise him not to. But of course, he does whatever he wants to do. But let's hear a little bit about this new this new booster shooter thing that... Fall shot. The fall shot. The the Omicron specific mix. Here's Dr. Kieran. The pumpkin spice shot. Uh, you should really <laughs> reflect on how. <laughs> you made me double click. Sorry. Son of a. All right. Here's Dr. Kieran Moore. How long it's been since your last dose. Uh, and if it's stretching long past six months, uh, uh, your protection is going down from the 90s, 80s to 70, 70s uh, percent protection against the severe outcomes. So that's a consultation you can make with your health care provider. Uh, but the longer your wait, um, there is a decrease in your protection against severe outcomes. And you'll have to make a decision uh, based uh, and we'll try to be as transparent as possible when we receive the bivalent vaccine and when we can make it available at a, at a population level. Um, but the longer you wait, uh, the more I would consider getting that second booster uh, so that you stay protected, especially as we head into, I think, what's going to be a complex winter with multiple viruses circulating. Doctor, what would you say to an immunocompromised person who could have a COVID positive person sitting next to them with your sanction is relying on personal choices enough? So immunocompromised, uh, my first message is, are you up to date and have you consulted with your healthcare provider? So an immunocompromised person would have three doses as their primary primary series, so they should have the three, and then they should have had opportunity to get two further boosters. So in total, they Jesus. should have had five doses. They also may be eligible for uh, Paxlovid if they get symptoms, so they should ensure they've had that conversation in advance to know if they're eligible and can get a plan to receive that medication. Uh, uh, as as well, they may be eligible for Evusel, depending on their medical condition. So anyone immunocompromised, please, uh, uh, five doses is what we expect you to be at at this time. Uh, and uh, uh, please keep informed through your health care provider whether you're eligible or continue to be eligible for Paxlovid and or Evusel. And if you're uh, immunocompromised, please be careful uh, in any indoor environment as we head into the winter months. Uh, continue to wear a, a well-fitted, high-quality mask. Continue uh, to monitor your symptoms on a regular basis. And if you can, physically distance uh, from others. Uh, uh, obviously, this population is, is what keeps us all up at night. We want to keep as healthy as possible. Well, there's some great advice, isn't there? Oh, look around at your scenario and, and you know yeah. you're immunocompromised. You know that there's options. You can get... Your fifth shot, you you should wear a well-fitting, uh, effective mask, and and you should talk to your doctor for contingencies, the the what ifs. What if 
I get sick. Okay, well, then the doctor would know you're immunocompromised. It's well documented. You can go to the pharmacy and get your Paxlovid. That's the one that'll keep you out of the hospital, the pills you take. This seems like a reasonable compromise. Yeah. It, it's the passive-aggressive questions that I don't like. From those I'm reporters? So, I'm done with them. Some of them are I'm such done with losers. Them. I just, you, I know what you're trying, like, we all know what you're trying to do. Or you know what? I shouldn't even say we all know. We understand, right? There are, there are a few that understand how, how it's working, but they're just waiting for one little tidbit to be able to run with, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what would you say to an immunocompromised person? Well, the shit I just said, but I'll say it again. Like, stop. Stop trying to stir the shit that's not there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, Like, why don't those who are immunocompromised, like we've been talking about, figure it out for themselves? They're not, not, just because they're immunocompromised doesn't mean they're dumb. They understand what they need to do or or whatever they're comfortable doing. Mm -hmm. Your choice to each their own, immunocompromised or not. Like, what, what what don't we understand here? Stop asking those fucking questions. It drives me crazy. It, you're right. It's sensationalism. It's gotchiness. It's them trying to get on their boss's radar and get a promotion. They want to get followers. That yep, sort of shit. All of it. All of it. it. It's ridiculous that that's even a thing. Anyway, I think Dr. Moore has done a fine job at, at stick handling this, and that seems like a very appropriate response. So good on him. Well, and I, I've been really pleased with the lack of uh, talk about it as we get back to school. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just the circles I'm in, but considering I have a lot of people with with young children around me, I don't even think I've had a conversation about it. Like, well, oh, are you going to make your kid wear a mask? Like, haven't heard of that conversation about, or oh, are you going to option have masks? Uh, anything about boosters? Did you give your kid a, uh, a shot? I haven't actually heard a lot about that, and it's actually quite nice. There are so many people that are uh, regular back to normal, and that's good. It's these media types that are trying to keep this conversation going, and I don't understand. CP24 ran a ridiculous story yesterday about uh, fears are rising as kids go back to the classroom. What? No, there's not. Stop Listen, it. I'm going to tell you the honest to God truth. <laughs> they interviewed two people who said that they were fearful out of 100, and that's what they're running with. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I deal with a lot of teachers on an ongoing basis, and one of the things that, that I've heard anecdotally from all of them is, COVID hasn't even been a conversation. They all had a staff meeting last Thursday. Do you know how many times COVID came up? Zero. Zero times. Nobody is talking about this except for these media companies that have a financial interest in keeping this shit going. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand why they keep going. Look at the comments. Go back and look at CP24's uh, tweet from last night. Every comment, and there was hundreds of them, were, fuck off, stop the shit, stop doing this. Why are you fear-mongering? Why are you trying to scare kids when they're going back to school? All of that stuff. And I don't think there's a good answer. No wonder they don't reply, because they don't have a good answer other than, oh, we just want clicks and we want our reporters to get followers. Yeah. That's all it is. It's frustrating. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. But there's another problem brewing here at Cat. This one's a little different. Premier Doug it has got a real problem with the old people right now. What's, what's his problem with the seniors? <laughs> I believe Doug when he says he cares. And 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 I believe he sure. does because his mother or his mother-in-law, mother-in-law I believe, um, was in a long-term care home at the height of COVID. And we know how worried yeah, he was. And yeah. this is part of the reason that he had such a an intimate knowledge of how that system works. So Doug has passed this law now that allows us in Ontario to take the people who just do not want to leave the hospital. They'll go to the hospital Mm -hmm. for whatever, and they probably should be in a long-term care setting. They should be there where they've got specialized care, and and they shouldn't be taking up a hospital bed for something that's not urgent. They could be in a long-term care home. The problem is we don't necessarily have enough places spaced out appropriately. So some of them just don't have room. So the new law is basically, if we've done all we can do for you in the hospital, You don't really have a medical condition that requires 24-7 nurses and doctors taking care of you. You could be treated just fine at a long-term care home. And in a lot of ways, you'd probably be more more comfortable in a long-term care home. But you don't want to leave the hospital because you want this long-term care home or that long-term care home. Gotcha. Which I understand. I absolutely do. But at some point, we got to get you out of the hospital. Because if you haven't noticed, we've got a big problem with the hospitals right now, namely staffing. So what do we do? Well, now, if they say you're leaving the hospital, they can actually say, you know what? There's no reason for you to be here. We're discharging you. You're going to go to a long-term care home. If the one that you don't want or the one that you do want isn't available, they can actually ship you to any long-term care home within 300 kilometers. Now, that's problematic, and I have to think that that's not going to happen very often, but they use the example, you could be taking up a bed at a hospital in North Bay, and if your long-term care facility that you want isn't available, in theory, they could ship you all the way to a long-term care home in the GTA. Because it's within 300 kilometers, but you're from North Bay. And I understand that that creates issues too. So what do we do? Doug was asked about it uh, just the other day. Sure, Cynthia. You keep saying that there are 6,000 people in the hospital in alternate care who should really be somewhere else. That's correct. 1,800 of them should be in long-term care. That's less than a third. So what are you doing about the other 4,000 or so? Because this is the smallest part of the people that actually should be somewhere else. So aren't you sort of looking at the the smallest part of the problem rather than the big part? We're looking at all overall the 6,000 patients. And you're right, Cynthia, there is uh, 1,800 that we can move immediately. Uh, For all my years in, in politics, I've never seen three of the major papers all agree on this, no matter if it was the, the Globe or the Sun or the Star, all saying, hey, this you got to get patients out of the hospitals, the ALC patients, once they've been discharged, by the way, um, and, and get them into long-term care. And it's, a, it's a, an atmosphere, again, that's not like a hospital. They don't get the care. Uh, the focus care in a hospital as they would with the long-term care. It's, it's the right thing to do. Um, I think, you know, just talking to the healthcare professionals, uh, they 
they want it to happen, so we're we're making it happen. So but there's so many other steps. What about the other four thousand? Yes. So we we're going to make sure eventually they they get there as well when we're we're building. I think Cynthia's fifty eight thousand. Uh, again, I hate using the word beds. I, I want to use like residents and, and fifty eight thousand people that are going to be able to call long term care home a, a home. So as, as these are going up and we've had a lot of rapid builds and to, to put it into perspective, and I, I don't like getting into the political side, but I'm just going to tell you the facts. For seven or eight years, the previous government built 611 beds. Uh, we're, we're building 58,000 homes, not literal homes, but rooms for people to go into. And, and we, we need to continue building in a rapid uh, fashion. But uh, Robert, the other question. Sorry, he wasn't lying when he said we'll get it done. That's that's pretty good progress. But it doesn't change the issue, though. If you're in a hospital, you know that you need to go to long-term care, and you'd really like to go to, I don't know, Sunny Acres. Yeah, what, and Sunny Acres it's is full. Always something sunny. It's something like that, something right? Something sunny or something with the banks in it. <laughs> Hills, banks, or sun. And 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 your sunny place isn't available. And you don't want to go to to Green I don't know, Vista, the Green Vista, or or the Pissed on Hills. You don't want to go there. You want to go to your Sunny Ways or your Sunny Ho- Sunny Hope, whatever it is. And, and 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 you're gonna stay there in that fucking hospital until there's a spot that opens up for you, Riverview or some shit. Exactly. And and now the government is saying, and with the 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 healthcare professionals as well, they're all in agreement on this. Basically, that no. We have a crisis in healthcare. We can't have 4,000 hospital beds in Ontario being taken up right, right now by people who shouldn't even be there. Yeah. They should be in a long-term care home. So at some point, somebody's got to lay down the law and say, Too bad, so sad for now, at least. Get out. I'm yeah. glad that they're building new and, and there'll be lots of different options soon. I mean, they built the last one in like eight months or something like that. It was crazy how quickly it went up. Yeah. I don't know what the staffing situation is for these facilities, but I have to assume that things are ready when they open a building for people to start moving in. Then move them in. If we've got that many people that are backlogged on surgeries and waiting for this, that, and the other thing that can only be done in a hospital, and then we've got a hospital that's got all kinds of people there that shouldn't even fucking be there, it makes sense that we move them. Yeah. It's a little cold, a little heartless to have to say, well... We gave you two choices. You didn't like any of them. So now we're going to ship you 300 kilometers away and and you're going to be in a you're going to be in a Windsor long-term care home. Yeah. I I get that that's inconvenient, but that's not just going to be uh well, we got to discharge uh, Ethel here. Well, where's where's yeah. the closest bed that's available? Is yeah. it 200 kilometers away? Ship them there. No, they're going to try and accommodate you. They're going to try and get you where you want to be, or at least into the same area that you want to be in. And that's the key thing, I think. I mean, having some having someone, a loved one who was in a long term care home, like the wait list at, and this was this was pre COVID. She went in, and then I know that it's it's gotten a little bit better in some areas, not not in others, clearly. Uh, but in some areas, it's gotten a little bit better. But it is one of those things. You can't be too particular. You have to almost have your three options. And mm-hmm. I think that's fair. You know, come up with three options. These are them. Don't be so specific. I'm, well, I got to be here because Jean, my buddy Jean, who I did them all walking with, she's, Jean's in there and I can't be, I gotta, can't be in this one if Jean's over there. I got to be with her. And I get it. And when you when you get older too, you're, 
your circle perhaps has gotten a bit smaller, right? And then maybe you don't have as much family around as you would. So you want to be as close as possible to this person. And I get that. And I sympathize with all of that because like I said, having, having to go through that process previously, I get it. You want that specific spot because you know that they're good. You've heard rumors about it, or maybe you know someone who's been in that spot before and you know it's good. But at the same time, it's true. When there's an issue, you can't keep them in the hospital. Why would you want to keep them in the hospital too? I'm just thinking as a loved one. You know what I mean? I wouldn't, I'd be like, get out of the hospital as soon as possible. And if that means I have to go an extra hour to visit you, I'm going to go an extra hour to visit you to get you out of the fucking hospital. Mm -hmm. It's not a, it's not a fun place to be laying around in. You know what I mean? It's not a long-term care home. It's not, it doesn't have uh, a lot of other advantages for those specific needs. So I get that. We've been fucking around with this for years. We've known for decades that when the baby boomers reach a certain age, the baby boomers being our parents, they're going to go into long-term care homes. That was a baby boom. That's why they call them the baby boomers. There's a lot of people that all at once are going to start going into long-term care homes. And we did nothing to prepare for it until now. So you know what? It may seem a little cold. It may seem a little heartless. I personally don't see it that way, but I get why some people do. This needs to be done, everybody. I mean, we just have to do this. We've got to free up our hospitals. We've got to make more long-term care homes. And we've known for a long time that we needed to do that. So we're on the right track here. They're they're getting it done, so to speak. And uh, hopefully we'll all be better off for it when this is over with. So I, I have no issue with this as long as it's done with care, as mm-hmm. long as it's done with compassion, mm-hmm. as long as it's done with some common sense. And I'm going to trust that they're going to do it that way until I hear a story that says they're not. And then I'll start asking some questions. But for now, I'm okay with it. Uh, one more thing, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because it's not until tomorrow, but we're already hearing it. They're warning us, they're bracing us for it, and they have been since July. Tomorrow, that fucking idiot, Tiff Macklem, head of the Bank of Canada, is going to come out and raise interest rates again. Canada's major banks are forecasting that our central bank will hike rates by another three quarters of a percentage point, bringing the rate to 3.25%. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is going to be devastating if they actually do it. And I know, I, I hear it every day, every day, without fail. I get a message from at least one person telling me how much their mortgage payment has gone up or how much this has gone up. And you factor in that we've still got 7.6% inflation because the Bank of Canada, again, led by that loser, Tiff Macklem, has has been completely ineffective at lowering inflation. And to be honest with you, that's their only goal anyway. Tiff Macklem knows that raising interest rates is forcing people to sell their homes right now at a loss, Mm -hmm. a lot less than they would have gotten before he got his shitty little hands all over it. He let this inflation get to the rate it's at before he did anything. Now he's going absolutely mental trying to raise rates as quickly as he can, which does nothing but make pure profit for the banks. It's just sickening how much money the banks are making right now at our expense. And he doesn't care if We go into a housing crisis because people just en masse default on their mortgage. He doesn't care about that because technically his only job is to control inflation. Well, he's been completely ineffective at that. We're going to have interest rates that have gone from, was it 0.5 or 0.75% to 3.25% in seven months. And he doesn't care 
that families are going to suffer. He doesn't care that food bank use is at record highs in Canada right now. He doesn't fucking care. And the one person who could step in and say, hey, why don't you back off a little bit? Why don't you think about a little more in the economy than just this inflation problem that you created? Why don't you stop looking at interest rates as like a game that makes you and your buddies really wealthy? Why don't you think about the overall and come up with a creative solution? We know Canadians have got debt. We know there's people who are over-mortgaged. We know there's people who uh, signed up thinking that the rates couldn't go up that much, and they did. Why don't you take all that into account and come up with a creative solution rather than just the typical back-to-the-80s David Dodge bullshit, let's raise the rates as fast as we possibly can to tamp down inflation. Let me tell you the honest-to-God truth here, Tiff, you idiot. I'd rather pay 7.6% inflation, pay an extra 7.6% on my grocery bill and stuff like that. I'd rather do that than have my mortgage go up another $1,000 a month because that's what's going to fuck people. That's a killer. That's a killer. And this loser doesn't understand that. How do you get to be the head of the Bank of Canada and not understand that you need to bring in more than you spend? I don't understand it. It's basic math. When people took on these mortgages, they had a, a mortgage payment of, say, yeah, you know what? We're going to go with a mortgage rate of uh, 3% total. When you raise the rates this aggressively, payments go up substantially. Mm-hmm. $1,000 increase, $2,000 increase, $3,000 a month increase. People aren't, aren't just snapping their fingers saying, okay, well, I got to go to my boss and tell him I need an extra 1000 2000 or 3000 a month. It doesn't work like that, Tiff. Where do you think the fucking money's going to come from? Well, and there's a huge difference between, you know, prices like you mentioned going up 7% at the grocery store, 7% here, let's say, whatever it is. There's a massive difference between that and a mortgage because you can make changes for one. Mm-hmm. You can't make a change for the other. You can't no. just be like, nah, you know what? This week I'll go without paying that mortgage thing. Or this week I'm not, I'm not going to use those two rooms in my house so I can save a little bit of money. You can't do that. You're stuck with the payments. Whereas you can make choices other areas and it sucks. Yeah, for sure. You got to make cuts here. I think everyone's making cuts at this point, cutting things out. You can't do that with a mortgage. They don't let you do that. I can't just be like, I'm not going to use my backyard. So you know what? I can take that off. <laughs> like, well, There's no choices there. Not to mention, there's people who now know, okay, the rates are going up. I can't afford this anymore. I'm going to bail on this house now. I will downsize. I will rent. I will move into my parents' basement. I'll do whatever I have to do. They can't even sell their houses in in quick, short order anymore because the interest rates are so high and the stress test is based on the interest rates. So when interest rates get to 3.25, people are going to have to qualify at, say, 5.5%, 6%. They're not going to even qualify for the mortgages to buy those homes. It's crazy. It's crazy. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in your pocket right now. And even if it's not in your pocket, it's equity. If you bought your house for 500000 and you're in a position where you could sell it for a million, you've made $500,000. Congratulations. Good for you. That was an investment. Good. Yeah, well, when that million goes down to 750000 you just lost a quarter of a million dollars because of this fucking idiot at the Bank of Canada. Mm-hmm. God damn it. Why is Justin Trudeau not hauling him into the prime minister's office saying, you better back off? Where's Christian Freeland to call Tiff Macklem and say, we have a delicate relationship and that you run the Bank of Canada and I run the rest of the finances, but you better fuck off because you're going to bankrupt this country. Nobody is going to let this guy or is going to stop this guy from doing it. And his legacy is going to be disgusting. 
I hope he steps down tomorrow after he raises interest rates. He should. Maybe even investigated too. Uh, last thing I want to mention here. I think it'll be the last thing I want to mention. <laughs> I think so. I don't know. We haven't done one in a while, so I've got a lot on yeah. my mind. But I'm also trying to be conscious of time here. The, uh, the video that went viral this weekend. I'm sure you saw it. Taylor Hawkins' son. Taylor Hawkins, former Foo Fighters drummer. He passed away. We all know that. We talked about it here on the pod when he did. And the Foo Fighters are one of those bands. You don't even have to like rock music to know who the Foo Fighters are. Everybody's heard a Foo Fighters song. Everybody knows who they are. And when he died, that had a profound impact on a lot of people. That was a piece of rock and roll history gone. Lo and behold, this guy's got a 16-year-old son that can drum better than some professional (laughs) drummers. And when the Foo Fighters brought out his son to drum on hero of all songs. I teared up. Yeah, it was, it was a, it was such a nice, uh, I guess you call it a tribute. It was such a nice tribute. I think even for him to do for his dad, but it must've been tough sitting in his seat basically. Right. I mean, the band plays sitting in, in dad's seat where this is where dad did his thing. And here I am now doing it. It's It's, not like dad's been gone for 10 years. This is fresh. You know, I thought the same thing when I heard about the tribute happening, I heard that, and there was a ton of, by the way, there was a ton of um, celebrities that were in the house for this, watching this, understandably, they were either close with him or maybe even weren't, but just felt moved by it, but came. And I thought, is this, is this too soon for it? But obviously they're the only ones that know they were the ones that they were close with, with Taylor. But he was so good. The pressure he must have been under, having yeah. just lost his dad, to fill in for his dad. And then let, let's not lose sight of the fact that whether you're the son of Taylor Hawkins or not, at 16 years old, you're not used to playing in front of 120,000 people. Yeah. You're just not used to doing that. Yeah, you are playing with the foo. It's crazy. And you're playing right behind Dave fucking Grohl from the Foo Fighters. You're on stage with the Foo Fighters at Wembley Stadium, expected to get this right. Mm-hmm. And all you can do is rely on what your dad taught you. Mm-hmm. And that's what this kid did. Maybe he was even channeling his dad in some way. I don't know. But the job he did was absolutely incredible. And holy shit. I, uh, didn't every parent think about their kids when they saw that video? How does that happen? How does a kid go out there and do such a job like that under that intense pressure and stress? Uh, did Taylor teach him to drum? Did well, I- he figure this out on his own? Like... I, I don't know how he became that yeah. fucking good, but either way, he was great. And that job he did under those circumstances, oh, I just can't say enough about it. It made me want to hug my kids, to tell you the truth. As they ask you for money. As they ask. <laughs> Not yeah, so cool. far, but yeah, it's cool, only Dad. 1030. Can I, have, can I have 200 bucks? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. My favorite is they've, <laughs> uh, they've got a new one now where they're like, yeah, I've got to buy this or I've got to buy that think it's going to be around 300 bucks for my textbooks for this semester. 300, maybe 400, you know, and they'll give me just like a loose number. So I have to read into it. Okay. They said three or 400. Okay. I'll send them 450. That'll cover the taxes and then they're good. And then I'll find out when they come home at Christmas that the books only cost them 200. And I think, well, you didn't send me back the other 250. And am I an asshole if I ask for the no, difference? No, you're not. I would have asked for the receipts. <laughs> Give me those fucking receipts. Well, I, I, if, if I let them keep the 250, is that going to be a couple more weeks of them not asking me for money or are we just going to get back to the regular routine for the regular stuff? And by the way, how in the fuck can you pay $100 for a textbook that's digital 
It's was not just, even a fucking I, book. That's exact. I was just going to ask you that question. Is it still physical textbooks? No. There's no way. No. So you're buying basically the rights to use that volume for whatever the hell you're studying, that volume for that semester, and that's what you're purchasing, or you have that forever. On a, uh, you can't even resell it. No. That's the shitty part, because like in my, in my day in college, first of all, second year, I never bought a book. Never bought a book. Good. Yeah, no, I said, fuck it. And, and I got away with it. I was, it was fine. But the first year going in there, I'm thinking, uh, uh, how much are textbooks? How much could this be? Yeah, they're so stupid. And at least you could resell them, though. That was the thing. They usually pump out volumes quick, right? Every, I think every course is like that, where they're like, got to have a new volume so that people don't sell them. Because that's what you would do. Is like, I'll just sell you my broadcasting 101 notebook here. <laughs> For whatever, because I bought it for this price, have it. But anyway, now it's all because it's all digitized. You can't, you don't really do that, I suppose. No. Yeah. Universities, I'm really, really learning quickly. And I, I kind of started to see it a little bit during the pandemic and then that bullshit with Western this summer. And, you know, I'm just realizing how incredibly ripped off we get with this whole racket. And, and I'm going to call it a racket. Um, I have one class that my daughter's taking and the mandatory reading for the class was a book that the professor of the course wrote. And it wasn't even to do with the topic of the course. No, You just had to buy the prof's book. That's when you have to contact the, is it a, de- a dean here? Is whatever it is. That's when you have to like reach the higher up and be like, what is happening here? They're enabling this shit. They know that shit's going on. They're probably on the take. They're probably getting money out of this shit. Oy, oy. I don't understand how I would... Back in the day when there was books and they had to be bound and there was intellectual property in those books, that I fully understood. I thought they were charging too much. But like you said, you could resell it. Maybe the school made some money. Prof probably got his pocket lined a little bit. It's a big like scam, but whatever. It needs to be done. Charging me $100 for a digital book is infuriating and now they're selling you all kinds of other shit too like oh if you want to take this particular science course you can only use this brand of bunsen burner and it has to be this brand of lab coat and it has to be this brand of goggles and you can only buy it matter and you can only buy them through our online store See, and that's such horse shit that is sketchy i don't like that i don't like hearing that that does sketch because it's it's expensive enough it's expensive enough and a lot of people had to take a lot of risks or and their families did to even get them to where they are. And then they're going and trying to get some extra coin. It's crazy to me. It's nuts. It is literally the inmates running the asylum. And I don't know who's going to stand up and say, enough's enough. We've, we, we've screwed these people enough. We're charging them $20,000 a year, plus, 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 for something that it'll take them 10 years to even make 80 grand. It's nuts. It's fucked up. But we got to go. We are long here. And, but we're and fired up. We're in a bad mood today, everybody. Gotta go smash some shit. Got to go. <laughs> Have a great day. We will see you tomorrow with another episode of After 9. Bye. The After 9 podcast is powered by Tony Johal. Broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it.